Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer or artist and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field, along with contest winners and a few surprise guests. We're currently at the Writers of the Future weekly workshop, and I've been interviewing the various winners. So today we are speaking with N.V. Haskell, who's a winner with the story, The Mystical Farrago. Welcome, Nicole. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I actually met you in in the flesh about, uh, was it a month ago, a month and a half ago at- At Superstars. At Superstars, yeah. Yeah. It was great seeing you because I've just seen you as a social book face. <laughs> yeah. So- um, <laughs> Anyway, so this is, this is really, really nice, and um, I'm very anxious to be able to get into talking about your story. But first, I'm, I'm interested in talking about your journey to becoming a writer, professional writer, a winner of Writers of the Future, and then where you're heading for, from there. So a little bit about yourself to begin with. Okay. Um, I started writing when I was probably about eight or nine. I remember writing my first stories. Of course, they weren't wonderful. Um, and there was no editing involved and definitely no proofreading. Um, and then I wrote all through elementary school, middle school, um, into high school where I did mostly poetry and creative writing classes. And then when I got out of high school, I stopped. Um, I just... I went to college um, and got a bachelor's of science, and that was my focus. So mostly if I was doing research papers, that was where all my writing went. Um, I really wasn't reading anything in the the genre I love, which is fantasy and sci-fi, gosh, for a long time. And then I, you know, graduated college, had my professional career, raised a family, and it took me about 30 years before I wrote again. And it was that was two and a half years ago, almost three now. But I, I'd been a runner. I'd been a yoga teacher. I did, you know, I've had a lot of creative endeavors. I've painted and just I'm a very busy person by mm-hmm. nature um, and very difficult for me to sit still for long periods of time. Well, I appreciate you giving me this one <laughs> Thanks, hour. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> These classes all day have been a little rough, I got to be <laughs> honest. I'm very antsy. Um, but anyway, I, I had an injury uh, two and a half years ago, and I had to have surgery on one of my hips and didn't wasn't supposed to be anything. I was supposed to be back at work, back doing my thing and, in a couple of weeks, but instead it didn't go well, and it was much more intrusive than they had originally anticipated, and that put me off work and off of all physical activity for three months. Oh, no. So I went a little crazy, <laughs> and <laughs> my poor spouse um, can testify to that. So after I exhausted all the British detective shows I could find on all streaming um, services, I decided, I woke up one morning at five o'clock in the morning and was like, I'm going to write. And I wrote three quarters of a novel that is absolutely horrible and (laughs) has every trope you could ever, you know, I came at it back like with that 18-year-old voice in a lot of ways. So I got about three quarters of the way through, realized you know, maybe I should learn how to write and yeah. and set it aside. And that was November of that year. And so I was looking online and like, okay, well, what else can I do? Like, I'm obviously not ready to be a novelist because I need t- 
to really dip my toes in some other waters. And I was looking, well, maybe I should do a contest or where could I take classes? And I actually came across Writers of the Future and found the contest. And I kind of stalked the forum for about probably six, eight weeks. Like I didn't register, but I would go in and just look around. What's this all about? And so December 31st of that year was my first submission. And I submitted this short story that I literally wrote in 24 hours. And I did it with the intention of a rejection because I wanted to get the rejection out of the way. (laughs) Like I just wanted like, I knew that I had work to do. And so I, I did get that rejection. But then um, so Writers of the Future was the first place I ever submitted anything, anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then the next quarter, I and I made a goal. You know, they say in the forum, like, enter every every quarter. And I did. I, that was my goal. That was my writing goal. Mm-hmm. And my, my plan was to, like, okay, I'm going to keep getting better. And in maybe five or ten years, I will, you know— make make the grade in this contest and and then I won in two and a half years. So I was not I was really shocked. Um so I went from that rejection to an honorable mention, silver honorable mention, and then just variations. So it was my seventh entry that actually got me one. here. That's yeah. Fun. Yeah. So just because some people always like to hear like what was it like when you got, because you got two phone calls. I did, yeah. <laughs> so, like, oh, my gosh, poor Joni. Um, the first phone call telling me I was a finalist, I was, I mean, I was floored. And I was initially confused that I thought it was, a like, my the, a different story. Because I had switched up in my thought processes, which one I had submitted for third and fourth quarter. So I thought it was the fourth quarter, but it was the third, which really surprised me because I did not think this story was going to do well in the contest. I expected to to get whatever and then pass it on to another market. I already knew where I had it planned out in my head where <laughs> it was going to go. But then she told me it was a finalist and I was shocked. And then God love her. God love Joni. God love her because I, I bet she gets all the reactions in the world. So a week, week and a half later, I was um, doing an online like writing convention, FireCon. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in this class, this Zoom class on imposter syndrome. And this is no joke. <laughs> and I get the call from Joni. And I get up. I'm like, oh, okay, so this is going to be, I'm going to be a finalist. And this is great. I'll get a, this great, you know, critique and edit from Dave Farland, which is fabulous. And, and then she's like, okay, so I just wanted to tell you that you won third place. And I went, no, I didn't. <laughs> and she went, Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm serious. You really did. And I'm like, what do you mean? I did not believe her whatsoever. She's, I said, but but I, I have another story entered. Like, I was still like, no, this is my five-year plan. This is not my two-and-a-half-year plan. Um, so she was like, no, Nicole, you, you really, you won. You can't enter anymore. I need to pull that story out. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so after that, I, like— it ended amicably, and I was very grateful. And but I was in such shock. I it took. I had to sit, go back, and I sat in front of this Zoom, in, in Zoom classroom on imposter syndrome, and I literally was speechless the entire time. I had nothing to say. I had was just so stunned. Um, and then I wrote Joni an email the following day to apologize for being <laughs> a nut. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Oh, that's great. <laughs> that, that's, that's a great, that's one of the better stories there. <laughs> Poor Jody. <laughs> oh, she loves that stuff. She loves me around telling people, and, and this one here, and this one here. Yeah, yeah. but it's good. It's, I mean, it's, some people have, have dedicated a lot, you know, of their time and their energies and hopes. Yeah. You know, so that, that's, that's good. I'm glad I asked you that question. And I, I really planned to be entering for a long time, so... It, I, it took, you ruined your plan. I know. I know. <laughs> I, was, I was like, well, now what do I do? Like, I don't want to enter a lot of other contests. Like, I like this one. So, yeah. Well, um, now, hopefully, the next question is, so what's it been like being here at the workshop? Oh, it's been great. I mean, o- overwhelming, and you know, in a lot, but not in an unexpected way. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone here has been so kind and just polite and helpful. Um, your family now. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it really I mean, that's yeah. The way it is that is how it is. Yeah, and I I love the I kind of fell in love with the woman who picked me up from the airport with her wonderful purple hat with the feather in it. Pat, <laughs> Pat, Pat, and the hat. Yes, Pat and I had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> a few times actually. Yeah. Yeah, everyone here has been wonderful, and then um, Tim and Jody have been great. Their banter together has been wonderful to observe. <laughs> so, which side did you go for on the uh, attending in, at conventions and on panels? <laughs> oh, I stayed that out was, of that. That was funny. That I was... feel like I need more um, experience to be able yeah. to comment on that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So now, on um, going back to your. Chris, so you've you've honed in on science fiction and fantasy, and, and well, this story hit you one with this fantasy. Mm-hmm. So, what led you to? Because you said you wanted, to, you read, or you listened to all these different, or watched all these different shows that were mystery, or the yeah, uh, yeah. And now you're writing science fiction and fantasy. So, how did that? You know, I my preferred reading has always been science fiction and fantasy. It may not be, and I feel like um, when you get into other forms of media, there's a lot out there, but not all of it has a great story. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I will go with something a little like a long, like the British detective shows tend to have a long plot and long story arc, um, mm-hmm. and I think I like that um, in a lot of ways. But I have never written a mystery, and I don't think I'd be very good at it. I have to be <laughs> honest. I, I enjoy them, but I, again, I don't tend to read them as much. But I will watch that. Right. Yeah. But okay. Uh, On your um, storyline, the mystical Farago. Now, for those who don't know, because I didn't, Farago is is a more of an archaic or older term for circus. Mm-hmm. So the mystical Farago. Um, so can you describe a little bit about the story, and then I'm going to get into my questions that I have that sure. I now can get answered. Sure. So um, a little background of how this story came yeah. about. So. David Farland um, taught his 318 art class. And I, of course, with my imposter syndrome and insecurity, had hemmed and hawed about getting it, about taking the cat class. And I had emailed him, and he was always kind about emailing by me back even before I knew who he was. And I missed the deadline. And he, I, I, I missed it maybe by like a, not even a day. I mean, I, would, I just missed the cutoff. And, um, I emailed him and I was like, "Can I audit it? Is there anything else I can do?" And he said, "You know what? Give me a, give me an hour." And he wrote me back an hour later and he was like, "You're in the class." He like he he made space for me. So this story actually came about. Originally, I had planned to turn it in as an assignment, 
because we had three assignments we had to turn into him. And of course, anything that was entered had to be, it could not come here because he would know and that wouldn't have been appropriate at all. So I had originally written it during his class and with the intention of making it my final assignment. But instead I submitted two chapters of a novel that I had had have since completed and um, sent this into Writers of the Future. So um, that's how it came about. But the... So the character, the main character, is different, shall mm-hmm. we say, uh, hybrid in a lot of yeah. ways, um, and is misunderstood by everyone around them. And I don't want to, I don't know if I should, how much I should give away, but uh, so there's this internal struggle between their ident- their intrinsic identity and who they are trying to project themselves as. And so the whole story is really them coming to a place of comfort and acceptance with their own identity in spite of everything going on around them. Okay. So that, now I'm going to start asking some questions to start yeah. getting more on this. You know, you're definitely heavy, you're a heavy character. You've, you've taken great pains to create these these individuals, your protagonists and antagonists. Yeah. You know, um, so you've got the um, the circus ringleader or the owner who's, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, I mean, to get-go, you know, he's not a nice guy. Yeah. You know, so is any of this stuff on circus or on this type of antagonist, protagonist, is this also tied into anything to your own personal experiences or anything that you've gone through before? Um, not me personally. So, um, I have a friend who I would say a lot of the experiences, the mislabeling that the main character experiences, Mm -hmm. she gets that regularly and she works with the public and she's just, she never gets upset about it. She never, she just walk, just brushes it off. You know, whereas other people, I mean, I get more offended <laughs> than, than she does. On her behalf. Right, on her behalf. I'm slap you <laughs> right, on her right. behalf. But she just was like, whatever, you know, she, you know, she's just calm, cool, and collected. So that's um, kind of, she was the main inspiration, and I have not told her this yet. I'm waiting to actually hand her the book oh, so that nice. I can tell her that you were my inspiration because she's also like a quadruple degree black belt. She's, you know, she's a teacher. She's just this very interesting person, but she doesn't see herself in that way at all. You know, she's just very humble. But also just when people insult her or take her the wrong way, she doesn't, she walks it off. She may rant about it later, yeah. <laughs> but she walks it off, you know. So wow. that's real. Well, that's good. That, I mean, that's interesting because like, okay, this is, it is such a well-defined story. It just maybe did this happen to you, or is this somebody? No, yeah. It does not happen yeah. to me. Yeah, but I've had several friends other than this person that I've witnessed it happen to. I get it. Yeah, but what I like about it too is at the end, it does resolve. And one of the things we have with Rise of the Future, it's got to have that uptick. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's got to be that uptick because there's there's so many downticks out there. You don't need. I'm not interested in. Yeah. Further promoting the downticks of life. I have a hard time writing a bad end or a sad ending or, you know, yeah, um, yeah I can't. They don't make it into the book anyway, so right, okay. <laughs> that's a different market. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's good. And that's also like the superstars. I mean, you've got all kinds of stuff, but most of the people that are there, 
are uptick ending type people. Mm -hmm. That's you know? true. Yeah. And it's yeah. that's what I that's those are my druthers. I mean, I've I'm very much in you know, keep up on the media and what's happening out there, and it's it can be very dep well not can be it is very depressing. And just when one pandemic is starting to chill now, okay, let's let's take Ukraine and Russia. Yeah. And if there's a, if there's a lull in a day or two, oh, here's the next variant of of uh, COVID now that's that's striking. Oh, here's another. Yes. They've got to have something that, that keeps it in turmoil. And people that get into watching mainstream TV are just going to, they're always going to be upset. Yeah. It's just, that's their product is to keep people upset, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's why these stories here and authors like yourself and what, I don't think you've gotten that yet. That's going to be one of your next things here. But what Mr. Hubbard has in his essays is like, and even what he said with the beginning of Writers of the Future, you know, what you guys are, what science fiction is and artists is, is you set the tone, the, the stage for the future, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Just as you were affected by the science fiction and fantasy you read, you will affect people in the future on the science fiction that you write or fantasy. Yeah. So it, it is important that we keep on be putting a, a positive future there because there's those that are working to put a not positive future there. Yeah. There's a lot of money in, in war. There's a lot of money in... Negativity. Negativity. In COVID, there's a ton. I mean, some people are making a ton of money on that. Mm -hmm. You know, a ton of money on war, a ton of money on all these things that are like negative right now. Somebody's making a ton of money on gas. Yeah. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, I, you know, maybe I'm belaboring a little bit. I'll, I'll step off my pedestal in a moment. But it's, that's why the, like this... Contests and these books are so important because it gives somebody a chance to to chill for a bit and like what Pulp Fiction was back in the in the day, the mm -hmm. golden age of science fiction. That was escapist. Yes, you know people could read it and all of a sudden for a little bit they're somewhere else. So yeah, in your case they're at a another circus, you know, and yeah. So this is there's no real time setting on your story. No. It's just. A circus story. It's, um, I, I think uh, it almost has a steampunk feel to it to me, but I can't even describe it as that because it's not of this world. Um, yeah. You know, it's giant winged creatures and um, still people being people, both positive and negative. And yeah. I don't know where that world came from. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say it's probably the only story I've ever written where I have uh, like a pistol in or a, a gun in it. I don't have, I've never written anything. I thought about that the other day, like, because um, in our 24-hour story, one of our, the prompt I received was a 357 Magnum shell. And I have no idea what to do with this because it's not my, it's yeah, not I mean, I can't, I, I didn't use it as, you know, whatever it was created to be, I, but. Yeah, but like you said, you, it, when, he, when he was describing that, when he was passing it on, he, Tim also said too, it's. Yeah. You know, it could be, it doesn't have to be just a bullet. You know, it could be something else too, a cylinder. I mean, it's Eldris Budras who was put this whole thing together, had different things that went a total different direction. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it's similar to something else, you know. But anyway, um, so now on, on your um, storytelling and fitting it in, you've got your degree in science mm -hmm. and... Your day job is 
I've been in healthcare for almost 30 years. So, so you started last... when you were like one? <laughs> You're hilarious. <laughs> um, definitely not. I actually started um, working at a brain injury lockdown unit for rehabil- rehabilitation hospital when I was maybe in around 21. Um, and then I went on to get a degree as an occupational therapist. Uh-huh. And I've been an OT since ever since then. So I've been doing this a long time. And one of the things I've loved about being in healthcare is people. Um, I actually, and I love hearing other people's stories. And I've, I've been great. I mean, I've been blessed enough to work from pediatrics to um, Alzheimer's patients to, you know, adults after brain injury, people who've, who had strokes. Um, I've worked with people in psychiatric care. I've been... I've been able to do and hear so many stories, and each one of them has such depth and value that, you know, if you sit with someone long enough, mm-hmm. everyone has an amazing story to tell. And so that is where most of my, my the people I've met, those, those experiences is mostly where I draw inspiration from when I'm writing. Which is amazing. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, that particular drill of the workshop has had to be taken out. Yeah, there's a three step, three stages that were originally worked out by Algis Budras in this workshop. One was the little trinket you get. Mm-hmm. Another one was going out onto the street and meeting a stranger. Ah. And one of the things you realize that, like you said, everybody has a story. Yeah. You know, even, you know, you've got all types of people here on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, I've noticed. Right now. <laughs> It's better that we're not having people go out there. <laughs> Some of them are seriously yes. troubled individuals. Yeah. But it used to be a thing where, where people go out there and just talk to a stranger, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, then you go to a library and research and put those things together, and that's how you did your story. Now you have your twin, you get to meet your strangers who are they're the fellow winners, and then your research is now the, the Google searches, mm-hmm. you know? People used to go out there and just... One of the real things that you realize is that everybody has a story. No matter how forlorn they might look, yeah. they've got a story. Yeah. You know, there's something about them that's special. And that's what's really good because that just adds so much more to being able to tell a real story and not have the cardboard characters, but have like real people. Yeah. Because everybody's very complex. Nothing is cut and dried. And it's very easy to jump to an assumption on someone before you know them. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. Which is one thing was really good about that drill that we used to have. But yeah. even when within the all the winners there, you start seeing everybody around and like, you know, somebody's really shy. Somebody, but then you start talking to them, you find out that, wow, they're. Uh, I mean, we've had medical doctors here, you know, surgeons that, you know, emergency care units, yeah, you know, type thing. And you can tell in the stories that they were a doctor because <laughs> of the way they describe things. Yes, you know, but. Um, <laughs> What you're saying there is really, really important, and it comes across too in your in your storytelling that you did there with uh, Farago. That you know, just you can really understand the difference in the different people. You yeah, know? everyone's been affected by something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I'm a terrible optimist as well. So yeah, I tend to not write stories on a downtick because which is totally fine. <laughs> I'm the I'm a perennial optimist. Yeah. You know, no matter how bad it is, somehow or another. People will get their act together, and it will come out okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's some other people that can 
are going for making it go okay for them, which isn't necessarily okay for the group. So you got to deal with that too. So yeah, that's why you need to walk softly, carry a big stick type thing, <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. You know, so it's a good thing we've got, you know, the people are willing to five foot what we consider good, but then you got to keep on putting the good there, mm-hmm. you know, and the rightness of people. So now on um, your, the workshop, did you do, I mean, because we've got some, several things within the Writers of the Future. There's the, uh, the online writing workshop, which I was going to... Yes. Did you, you take that course? I did, yeah. So I'd gotten my rejection and my honorable mention. And then um, I was getting ready to submit for the next quarter and then the online workshop released. So I actually did that first. And that next story was a silver honorable mention. And that ended up being my... That story ended up being my first sale. Really? My first professional sale, yeah. To... Deep Magic in their final issue. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was... Um, what was that story? The War Within. Um, so that was inspired by... Um, I had... Uh, this was when I was working with people with Alzheimer's. And I had this gentleman who would come and visit his wife every day. He could no longer care for her. But he would come every morning, and he would feed her breakfast. And he would stay all day long. And a lot of times, he would, like, take her out for ice cream. or, But he, he made sure that he was there for every single meal. And you could just feel... Like, he was, they were just touching. You know, they were the loveliest people. And she didn't really remember him. The notebook. Yeah, she didn't remember him, but he didn't, he didn't mind. But then one day, she was having a particularly bad day. And he, he said, you know, I, I wish I could trade places with her because I feel like she would be able to do this so much better than I ever could. He didn't, he didn't give himself the credit that he was amazing <laughs> you know mm-hmm. he and he couldn't see it so that's kind of what that story is where they he, that ends up happening um do you specialize in cry stories no <laughs> 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 although that one actually that's made my brother emotional. and my husband <laughs> cry and jeff wheeler said that it made him cry as well so i guess i hit just hearing you describe yeah, it to yeah. me i'm like yeah because and, and there's so i mean there's so many stories like that yeah. I mean, I've known so many, uh, I've seen so many people who who step up when things are tough. Yeah. You know, I've seen people who don't, but I like to focus on them. <laughs> I, like <to> think of, <laughs> I like to think that in that, that situation, I would be stepping yeah. up, I guess. So now that story, can somebody still get it? And, and mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, um, it's uh, through Deep Magic on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So yeah. in which issue? It's their final issue. So I, I squeaked in under the wire. Um, again, I never, I had been, that story had been rejected a few other places. Um, and each time I would get it back and improve it and, you know, try and hone it a little bit more. And um, yeah, that was my first stay. Wow. That's yeah. great. So that was after Writers of the Future sale or was it just before? Or? This was last year. So I, my first professional sale was, um, a year ago in May. Yeah, and that story was released in June of last year. Right. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Okay. Then, So this is your second sale, The Rise of the Future? Um, I had a, like a little short story to a... a Professional sale? Um, well, it's... 
Estate sales No, it's not a professional sale, I suppose. But it can be a sale, but in terms of qualifying for Rise of the Future, it's it's three professional. No, I didn't have three professional sales. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make sure people listening understand. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I had the one professional sale and then a couple other minor sales. Yeah. So, so professional sales means eight cents a word or yeah. more. Okay. Currently. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on how much this expensive gas is going right. to change it down, <laughs> down the road. So, so how was it when you did that? You said uh, all of a sudden you went from being either honorable mention or you were getting then silver honorable mention when you when I did, after the course. Yeah. What, what was it? What helped you from yourself? What was the thing that was most beneficial about the course? So again, you know, I hadn't I hadn't taken so long off of writing, but I didn't quite. <laughs> I realize now, looking back, I like to write narratives and not stories. <laughs> <laughs> So there wasn't perhaps a building of climax, or maybe the tension wasn't as great as it could have been, or um, the resolution was lacking, for lack of a better word. Um, So I think sitting through that workshop actually gave me a lot of tools that Mm -hmm. I didn't even know I needed. Like I, I was kind of clueless in so many ways as to the story, the nature of a good story right. has a formula, and and I had been neglecting a formula. <laughs> I had just been writing train of thought. <laughs> well, that's good then. So we got that, and then also in Rise of the Future, there's the forum, and mm-hmm. have you used the forum? Yes. Yeah, so after I stalked them for and, and, <laughs> and decided on December 31st, I put in my first my first submission. I think it was a few days later I, jo- I actually officially joined the forum. And mm-hmm. now I'm pretty active on there. I try to be. Um, with the, This week I have not been on there at all. Sure. But, yeah, the forum um, has given me a peer group because I knew no other writers. And certainly, I mean, I, my dad wrote when I was young, but he wrote mysteries and, and that sort of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, very different. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of – I don't know that he, it wasn't – he didn't respect what I – read. Now he loves it because, you know, he's very proud. Yeah. Um, and he's read everything I have put out there now, which is lovely. Dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's come around. <laughs> but um, what was, what were we talking about? So just on the, um, on the form itself. So you've yeah. used, it's been a tool for, for building a peer group. Yes. I mean, I have gotten critiques from people there, but before like I'm asking my husband or my brother or my best friend or, you know, anyone you trust to not rip your heart out in their yeah. critique. And um, I found the forum to be a very safe and welcoming space. Well, that's, we even got it at the, at the top, you know. If yeah. you're, you're going to come in and drop any um, negativity, you've got one warning, number two, you're out of there. Yeah. It's not, it's not, there's it's plenty n- of places to find that if that's what you're looking for, but yeah. that's not where this is. Yeah. I, the forum was essential for me to, like, build confidence and continue to grow. And, you know, accept feedback. Yeah. You know, without fear that I was going to be torn to shreds. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it, that's not what's needed to build confidence. Yeah, but, you know, some people don't, um, some people still struggle, you know, For to sure. tem- temper their words in a compassionate way, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, we welcome their struggle. Yeah. <laughs> as long as they keep it yes. compassionate yes. and not just let the, let their... Um, negativity take the best of them and just like dump yeah. on other people that are still trying to go. Yeah. yeah. It is a hard bridge to go from you're pouring your soul out or some part of you that you're creating this story, then 
you know, this is me. This is what I really want to do. And then someone comes in and goes, yeah, you know, and just yeah, takes a dump on it. it the fact that it happens is what it is, but the, the effect that it has emotionally on the person who's finally come out and now that somebody does that, and then, then that shuts them up now for another, maybe forever. Right, right. Yeah, so that's not what Writers of the Future is about. Yeah, so one of the things I like to do, um, I, whenever we're getting cl- into a new quarter, mm-hmm. I actually offer to beta read because I really love beta reading. And I think there's a way to deliver compassionate feedback and critiques in a, in a soft-hearted way where, you know, hey, I, I think this is what you were trying to do. Correct me if I'm wrong. Have you thought about maybe doing it this way? Or, you know, and again, anything I'm saying could just be tossed out the window. I am, you know. Yeah. Um, Dave was like that, too. He was Dave oh, Farland. Yes. Yeah. He was such a teddy bear and just, he was a smart teddy bear, though. <laughs> yeah. He was so good. I mean, every, when I took that 318R class, every story I got back from him was just, um, his feedback was so well done. I mean, he got to the heart of what he wanted you to hear in the nicest way possible. Yeah. No, that was good. It's, anyway, we, we all miss Dave. But it's good what we've got with Jody because Jody is also just an amazing, yeah. amazingly talented author. Yeah. So then we've also got um, this podcast. Has this been of – have you listened to the podcast coming into as part of what your, you know, your journey as a writer? Um. I didn't really know as much about the podcast until maybe about a year ago. Um, so since then, it's on my rotation of mm-hmm. podcasts that I listen to. And uh, I've been listening to like the other, when you do the interviews for the other winners for the last two volumes, that was very entertaining. Um, so you got some very funny, <laughs> funny ones there, <laughs> highly entertaining. But yeah, just, and I can't remember, there have been uh, several that have been, that have gotten little pearls of wisdom from yeah and this week and next week i've got an artist i did it a couple years ago craig elliott who's an illustrator judge he's mostly does does a lot of creative for disney and for netflix he was he was the head of the department of of creativity for netflix and now he's back at disney but a lot of the of the animation movies you see are his, yeah, it's him. And then I'll have Scott Card going up this week. Oh, cool. One that I did about a year and a half ago, two years ago with him that hasn't gone out on United Public Radio. Yeah. So that'll be a good one too because his favorite Owen Hubbard essay is um, Magic Out of a Hat. Mm-hmm. So he did a whole hour-long discussion about that, what he got of it and why it's, you know, why he thinks it's, it's the best essay there. So I'll have, that'll be up this, this week. Very cool. And then I've got... By the time I'm done with this, I'll have the next half year's worth of podcasts (laughs) recorded. But um, it's definitely gotten, the intention is like when I had um, Julie Anderley going into contracts, you know, and rights and what can't. That was a great one. Yeah. Yeah. Again, as a writer, new new to this, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. So it's fascinating to like hear the legal ease. <laughs> yeah, getting that stuff there. And then the one on royalties that just went up a couple of weeks ago talking mm-hmm. about this this program, which for a brand new writer, it's free mm-hmm. until you're making, I think it's $2,000 a month in royalties. It's, it's a whole free, but it helps you track all your royalties so you're not missing out on stuff. Yeah. And there's just, we try to, I'm trying to do stuff to get a whole big, you know, array of, of 
things that will help writers and artists to um, to make it, you know, to make it into a successful career. So anyway, so it's good, Steve. Listen to that, and then we have well, we have the blog, which we have different. S- Most of that, a lot of people just really like it for getting here's all the winners and finalists and honorable mentions and that type of yeah. thing that we do every quarter. And then obviously entering the contest. So that's just something with the Rise of Future. The whole purpose of that is to be able to help the aspiring writer and um, or artist, you know, to get that yeah. launch. So on the uh, on the online course and also on this this workshop, has there been like a favorite part for you so far? Oh, um, I mean, I enjoyed a lot of things about the online course just because, again, it, it gave me a foundation of knowledge that I was lacking mm-hmm. um, and exercises to yeah. do that I had never done before, um, which really helped, I think, elevate my writing and help me kind of find my own style, um, which is still evolving, of course. For sure. Um, I mean, the workshop has been amazing. Writing that story in 24 hours, I got to tell you, man, that was a little harsh, but I got it done. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I actually got it done early, but I lost some sleep last night, let's yeah. just say. And plus, I'm still kind of on East Coast time, so I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning and finished it. <laughs> wow. And, yeah. And then going to bed at 10. Yeah, I went to bed at 10 and woke up at 2, finished writing it, went back to sleep for a couple hours. And then that was it. So and you text me saying, "Okay, I'm done." Yeah. <laughs> well, that's there's that coffee place next yeah. door. And that's very helpful. Yeah. So then on, because um, now you're going to have several other judges starting to to speak over the next yeah. couple of days, and that will give you more, you know, different aspects of what you know you have to different. You know, like Larry Niven goes into hard sci-fi, and you've got. Kevin and Rebecca, the business of writing, they've really got a, a really nice thing on that. Rob Sawyer. Yeah. You know, we haven't had him for a couple of years, so he'll be here. And he's, I mean, he's like the dean of science fiction in Canada. He's just such a nice person. So on, um, you've written a novel already? I've actually written two. One of them I'm still revising, even though it is the it's my favorite story that I've written so far. Um, it's like a historical fantasy. Uh, I have a strange passion for someone who grew up, you know, in in the United, in you know, the Midwest and South, and kind of all over the United States. I, when I was very young, I fell in love with martial arts films on <laughs> and on Saturday, Sunday afternoons on like this. We'd come home from church, and I would just it down and that was my the rest of my day and nobody could take me away but for so I have this passion for like martial arts films and especially like Chinese mythology and and Chinese history uh-huh. which is funny because I never got any of it I got nothing I mean I didn't know anything but this whole book revolves around kind of it's a historical fantasy that time travels but it involves um Chinese gods and mythological figures and creatures and really took me down a lot of different rabbit holes to, mm-hmm. to create. And I need to revise it one more time and then I will start kind of, I've, I've had a few agent interests, but I think if I just do another push, I'll be good to go. Yeah. So are you yourself 
have a belt in any type of martial arts? Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) (laughs) So I actually took it a little bit when I was young because, again, I was so into it. And then, you know, I was, um, let's just say, not the healthiest child, not motivated towards physical activity when Mm. I was young. I am very much now. But um, when I was a child, absolutely not. So I think I got to like a yellow belt and was like, oh, that's it. That's it. Okay. <laughs> My son is a black belt. So, and I, when he started going, I actually took with him for a while because I wanted him to be invested in it. And he, and then when we got into the sparring and I realized I, I didn't want to take a hit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. And, and plus, I realized I'm not as aggressive in my heart, you know, so I never was comfortable hitting people, even with the gloves on. It just, yeah. <laughs> you just take your son with you every time you go out. Exactly. <laughs> there yeah, we go. he towers over me, so that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now on, as a writer, and you've, like, We've talked about Dave Farland, the, the, uh, the importance then of mentors, the importance of peers. We've talked about it a little bit, but a little bit more than that, because yeah. that's some things that people just have really hard time appreciating and reaching out to get somebody, to connect up with somebody, and you know how to avoid pitfalls in reaching in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, so when I came back, I was really scared. I mean, really, I, I'm honestly a pretty, I would call myself not exactly shy, but slow to warm up. Like mm-hmm. I have to kind of get to know somebody before I, I open up and really um, allow myself to be vulnerable, my work to be put in their hands. <laughs> yeah. I really didn't have a writing community at all until I found the forum. And then I, I had most, I've had I would say 90% have been very positive experiences. The other ones were not, it's not that like they weren't positive, but we just didn't connect in in quite the right way. It wasn't, yeah, we just didn't communicate in the same way. But the feedback was still good. Right. Um, And it still came from a good place, a heart-centered place. I would say most of my writing community started on the forum. And I've still struggled to kind of connect. Like there aren't a lot of other writers that in my area, mm-hmm. um, or if they do, they've already got kind of their writing niches. They've already got their writing groups. It's kind of a, and I, again, going into a group without knowing anyone is really difficult for me, quite frankly. Um, I'm more the, I will stick in the corner and just do my, <laughs> you know, I was the kid in class when they wanted to do group projects. I was fine on my own to do the whole project and just, <laughs> that's just my nature. So I didn't, I, in high school, I had a wonderful writing mentor. And, and um, a few years ago, I actually found her online and my my teacher. Um, and we've connected. And she has actually been published in the last few years. Oh, that's great. Book. Yeah. And uh, she's she's not exactly a young person anymore. and she But she's still writing and just as um, inspiring as ever. And then the next writing mentor I ever had was Dave Farland. Wow. And so, um, yeah, I was really looking forward to meeting, meeting him because we'd had, again, when I, going back, one of the things that I did as um, an, an, uh, a foolish person, <laughs> an uneducated person, when I found the Writers of the Future contest, of course, I didn't really know anything. Sure. Um, and I didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't know who I didn't know. So I'm like, oh, who's this Dave Farland guy? So I emailed him. 
<laughs> just and he answered you. Think you. I should answer this? Do you think I should enter this contest? Like I haven't. He was like, and he was just again like this very quick like. Of course. Like, of course you should enter. How are you ever going to get better if you don't enter? And I was like, okay, thanks. And then, like, <laughs> a few, and then it wasn't until, like, I got on the forum re- regularly and I was like, oh, Dave Farland. <laughs> I get it now. Yeah. So just that, again, we didn't have regular interaction, but the interaction we did have was just so formative mm-hmm. in how I approach new writers, for one thing. Yeah. Um, because I feel like there's an obligation if you have been treated well and and guided, you have an obligation to help others. Exactly. Because they're not your competition. They're your assets. And that's one thing that definitely by the end of this week, you're going to have it, you probably already have it by now, or hopefully have it by now. In a lot of other workshops, is you've got, that side of the table, this side of the table, and the table gets removed. On this, so you, they're working with you, but they're working with you as a fellow professional now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, because yeah. I had a discussion with with Tim and Jody just before they started, because this is Jody's first year. Yeah. And Tim said, "Well, the difference between this one and Clarion and these other workshops is that Clarion, they're still working to get where Rise of the Future is." So. At this point, we treat we consider you're all professionals now. Now we're working on how to even finally hone your craft and give you more tips to make it as a professional author, not just become a writer. Yeah. And so that's that's a bit of a different thing. Like how do you even the thing that with Tim and Jody on going to conventions, you know, and being on panels, this is all stuff that's that's predicated on you being able to be on a panel. Right. So that's what, you know. Now you qualify, you know, you had your other cell with uh, Dark Magic, and now you've got this one here. So now you're in that category of writer. You're a pro, you know, and you need to keep with it or or not. But you have that now to hang on your uh, lapel with your (laughs) epaulettes there. (laughs) I'm a pro. Back off. No. I just need a T-shirt that says that. (laughs) Yeah, well, just by, you know, that's why people you know wearing their Rise of Future T-shirts or yeah. the you know the the pins and things that that people get like wow, it does it does have a lot of cachet, for sure. So on um, yourself, what was the advice that best helped you to get to where you are now? Persevere. Don't give up on a story just because it gets difficult. Good. You know, maybe you've taken a bad turn, uh-huh. um, and you can go back and delete that bad turn and keep going. And you can always set it aside. But I, and I believe it was actually, ooh, I think it was Todd McCaffrey when um, one of the interviews that I think you did with him uh-huh. actually that I was listening to. He and I, it was on the forum, and I had written all these questions and before it even started, and because I, I didn't think I was going to the AMA one that we did with Todd. I think so. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but he – and I actually wrote down what he said, and I printed it out, and it's hanging above my, my computer at home. And he said, he said, do not be afraid to write badly. That's right. And then the second thing he said is, finish it. So that is what I – that is my mantra now. Like, when I get to a place in a story and I'm not loving it, I'm like, just finish it. Just finish it, and then you're done, and you can edit it into something better. Right. But you can't edit a blank page. <laughs> so you've got to finish it and 
If it's bad, just keep writing. <laughs> You'll work your way out of it. Yeah, that's that's very, very good. Now, when we um, before you came, I sent everybody a copy of the, the book Fear. Yep. Had you read any of Elrond Hubbard's fiction before? Um, only through the Writers of the Future books. Uh-huh. Honestly, and I'd heard, and I feel like I read something like in high school too. Yeah. Um, but that high school was a long time ago, John. So a lot of my memories from there are probably wrapped in cobwebs. Um, but then I, I had heard of Fear before, but I had never read it. So I actually read it the right after you sent it. Yeah. I sat down and read it. So, so I sent to everybody because I want people to get. You know, invariably people will come back and just really appreciate, you know, Elwin Hubbard as a, an amazing philanthropist for creating this contest and continuing to endow it now nearly four decades yeah, long. Wow. But they weren't necessarily as familiar with his fiction. Some people were, but some weren't. So I just said, okay, good. Here's a story. This is Tim's favorite story. Mm-hmm. And so um, what's your what was your take on it? What happened with you on reading it? So as I was reading it... Um, it took me just a little bit, just again, because the evolution of language, uh-huh. um, but I actually love reading stories from different time periods because it does challenge your own thinking in a uh-huh. lot of ways. So I'm, I was reading it and I was like, this is reminding me a little bit of Stephen King. And then like, and then, I'm, and then I, a few other, and then I, I started realizing this kind of reminds me of Stephen King. And this is like, oh, Stephen King. <laughs> I see where you got some of this stuff now. But yeah, I actually, I, I wasn't expecting the ending to be what it was. And it, I had to actually flip back and reread a certain section because I'm like, did I miss? And I realized I kind of did. Like the, tra- the, the breadcrumbs were there, but mm-hmm. I had not picked them up. I don't know anybody's ever picked them up. Okay. <laughs> but it's, it's, this is a book that inspired Philip K. Dick to start writing yeah, yeah. his type of stories and. I sent you that letter, which had a bunch of those those blurbs from all these other authors, yeah, you know, talking about it. And it's funny when I talk to some people or some people on on social media because I deal with the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, and say, ah, you know, this is just like blah 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 authors, blah 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 story, and you'll say that story was written thirty years after, yeah, you know, and it happened with. You know, several of his stories where this actually started a trend because up to up to that point of that book, Fear, most horror was um, slash and dash. Mm-hmm. You know, and the psychological thriller was actually what was begun with that, and that's why you see so many accolades going towards him on that. But I was just curious what your take was on it because I wanted to have that going along with the essays that you read either in the online workshop or as part of the the course, the the workshop itself you're taking with Tim and Jody. Yeah. Your application of what he's talking about there, you know, like on suspense. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, I feel like all the tools that are listed there have been very helpful. Um, I think that particular like building suspense and tone um, or the tension, rising tension is definitely something that I still have to work on. <laughs> so yeah. so the essays are still very good for me. I mean the work doesn't yeah. stop, right? You just have for to sure. keep, keep keep going. Working it. Keep yeah. working it for sure. Yeah. So on your own writing, so you're gonna keep it with science fiction and fantasy. Is it gonna be mostly either one or the other that you see for yourself? Um I tend to write more fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like I've written a few science fiction short stories. Um, 
but it's not necessarily what I'm passionate about. Again, for me, it has to be a very human story. And I feel like I don't do that as well in the science fiction realm as other people do. Right. So there's room for, there's a lot of room for improvement there. Plus, I think with fantasy, I like, I really like just apparently making stuff up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I'll just invent this world. And what do they wear? And what do they eat? And what do they, you know. And what are these creatures? <laughs> well, that's an important ability to have to world building. And that's the whole thing that Dave Farland had. I mean, that's that's the specialty of um, of Brandon. Yes. You know? Yeah. You know? But that any is a success- whole other level. <laughs> yeah. But any author who's successful has to be able to build a world, even if it's in a real, mm-hmm. right now, even if it's an alternate history, you still have to be able to build a plausible world that somebody can like, okay, I can, I can I'll buy into that world. Yeah. You know, and so dipping into all the senses, yeah, and being able to do that, yeah. So, you're definitely a student of Dave Farland. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, good. All right, so in terms of um, how somebody can, can find you and, mm-hmm. and read your stuff, so where can they go? Where do you have your social media and websites or your presence? So, I do have a website, it's nvhaskell.com, about as straightforward as you can get. So Haskell is? H-A-S-K-E-L-L. Okay, good. And then that's also the name I have on Instagram, Twitter, and I have a Facebook page. Good. And then if somebody wants to be able to meet you, you attend conventions. Is that like a a thing for you? That is my plan moving forward. I had actually, because of the pandemic, I had not attended a convention before Superstars. You and the rest of the world. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So when uh, Superstars was um, amazing, but it was like, somebody said it was like drinking from a fire hose, and it really was. Like I was, it was a lot, but it was amazing. Um, And I was really glad that I went to that, and I got to meet you and Joni and um, a lot of the other people who are here today. So it helps me kind of ease in. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. But were you going to, so you live in Kentucky, you said? Northern Kentucky, kind of suburb of Cincinnati. So will you be going live to DragonCon? I'm hoping to. That would be great. I really am. If you want to, we'll follow up after this because mm-hmm. I can get with the owner and he said, just let me know if someone wants to come in and I'll get a, a pro pass for them. Ooh. So if you'd like to, let me know and I will contact him and get you a pass. I will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. So you're getting the, you'll have to get your own hotel and transportation there, but... Get you the the badge to get in there for the whole show. I mean, that'd be amazing. I would not turn that down, John. So thank you. <laughs> you bet. And then we also do a thing with with Galaxy Press. We have we have a really cool. We're really good terms with DragonCon. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they love writers of the future. This year, Pat Henry is not able to attend. He's the owner, but he's come the last couple of years, and he'll be again next year. But he always makes sure we give really good presentation because we give we set up half our booth with a table that we invite. Writers of Future and Illustrators of Future winners to come and not only sell their their edition that they're in, but if you have any of the books that you've got, you can bring that and sell that, and you keep all the money. We don't take a percentage. You just it gives you a place to set up and sell. Okay, we'll give you we'll set wow. up a book signing for you and promote that and stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. So any other yeah. past winners listening, this applies to you as well. But first, first in line is Nicole. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Nicole. It's been great being able to uh, to chat with you. And I really wanted to be able to talk to you because it was I had questions about your story, Mystical Farrago. And I definitely look forward to reading more of your works as they come out. 
Well, thank you very much. I can't be more grateful than what Writers of the Future has provided and done for me. Well, you're very, very welcome. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Writers of the Future podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeart, and Spotify. We've also been syndicated on the United Public Radio Network where you can find these podcasts as well. The Writers of the Future series can be purchased wherever books are sold in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, and South Africa, and available everywhere else on Amazon. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by Elwin Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you very much, Nicole. Thank you for having me.